Days. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Wow. Yeah. Nice and easy. Just head on out whenever you're ready. Are you ready to go ahead and, yeah. and drive? Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, a little more than I'm used to. Yeah. Oh, it's got some power, so just get a feel for it. Okay. Okay. All right. But he's off just a little bit. He's off. I was thinking a lot more age on me, some wrinkles, a little dorky, maybe some facial hair. Just somebody that I can pull off a, a fun prank with. <laughs> Let's go have some fun. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool cam cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. I'm Mike. Steve, nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. Are you thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This is way too much car for me. I'm Well, it's a lot of power, but they've designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I, I tell you what, I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> what are you driving now? Oh, just a minivan. Oh, yeah. What am I not signing obligated. here? You sure? not, it's, it's just a checkout sheet for a test drive. You're not obligated to anything. It's just so we know who's out. Let's go give it a drive. Are you getting a little nervous. No, I'll be right there beside you. There are your keys, sir. Thank you, Steve. You'll have to unlock it, Mike. Oh, yeah. thank you. There we go. Oh, yeah. What a car. Mm -hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. 
liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car, slow, or at least slow down. Slow down, slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop, 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 stop. Watch it, watch out! You're gonna wreck this car, you're liable for it if you wreck it. That's not what you think. Call, not what you think. No, it's just a prank. We're just having fun. Look, this is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> we'll do it again? Yeah, let's we'll do it again. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Lutz, former vice chairman of General Motors, and I like listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Semper Fi. Okay, listeners, hey, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Run your computers and Google. T- uh, <laughs> run your computers and Google. Nostalgic video and cars, and you can see us. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Gulfstream, but help me out here, Bobby. Tantalk1340.com. That's it. Tantalk1340.com. Boy, I don't know. I just, my mind just went absolutely, uh, wow, bonkers there. Anyway, hey, if you've missed any of our past shows, be sure to check out our website, gulfstreammotorsports.com. And, uh, no, you won't see us live there, but you will see us live at uh, tedtalk1340.com. But at our website, you can find Gulfstream Motorsports, all our information, everything we do, appraisals, brokering, services, all that other cool stuff. Be sure and check out our podcast page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, because that's... Yeah, how about that? Yeah, that's where you'll find uh, all our past 252 shows, I believe, we've done now. So, wow, we're well into our going into our fifth year here. And, uh, and, uh, sure. right on. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to like us on Facebook, All Street Motorsports and Nostalgic Radio Cars. How you doing tonight, Bobby? I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm doing real good tonight. <laughs> you got some, some little, uh, goodies in, in store for us again tonight? And those two dicky dopes. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, hey, we got a fun filled, uh, evening tonight. Matter of fact, we have a couple guys coming on from one of the big three, and we're going to be talking about. The new 2016 Camaro, okay? So uh, just to let you guys know, hey, look, we're, this is an objective radio show. We talk about Fords. We talk about Chevrolets. We talk about Mopars. We talk about Porsches. We talk about that other Italian car. What's it called? Ferrari, Fiat, all kinds of stuff. We are about cars. We are, as I turn around and look at our beautiful, stunning banners, courtesy of my good friend Dougie at the sign shop, it says, Legendary Names 
and what is it? Oh yeah, fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Man, I just didn't turn my neck far enough around. I should have that memorized by now. But anyway, hey, yeah, this is a quasi, uh, quasi, quasi, quasi comedy show. Sometime. Anyway, hey, let me give you were just dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> let me give you a uh, rundown as to uh, some of the events that are going to be taking place here this month. Okay. Uh, the Mid-America Shelby Meet. Okay, Tulsa, Oklahoma, June 17th. A June 25th for all you Chevrolet Corvette guys, Bloomington Gold. And uh, June 12th, we've got the Hershey Concourse up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We've got, uh, in July, the National Mustang Association is doing their big show in Colorado. That's July 17th. And the Porsche Parade will be in French Lake, Indiana on June 21st. So those are the biggies this month, not to mention all the little local shows. But talking a little bit about the local shows, we are working on our special little uh, events calendar for you guys. So we're going to make it uh, so this thing works out real good for you so you can go to our website and figure out all the stuff that's got that we got going on here. And, of course, you want to tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. Now, i got a quick story for you. Talking about car shows, talking about auctions and all of the good stuff. Quick story. Auctions can be a great place to buy cars, okay? And uh, now, you guys are probably familiar with the fact that here in the last uh, month, there's been a pretty serious rainstorm out in Houston, Texas, okay? There has been water storms, rainstorms, earthquakes, floods, all kinds of cool stuff. You know, there's not much you can do about Mother Nature. But a quick story. When they had Hurricane Sandy, a number of cars got flooded up there in New York and in Long Island, okay? So there was a number of cars that I knew about that got uh, seriously, totally engulfed in water. Now, this guy bought a car. It was a, I'm not going to say what it was, but it was a very expensive car, okay? In my opinion, it was overpriced, but it was an expensive car. The car got purchased. The car got brought down here to Florida, okay? This was a bonafide flood car, but it was all complete. The insurance company settled. My guy bought the car, or a friend of mine bought the car, and uh, what he did is when he was looking at the car, he says, man, this thing is just really, really covered in, you know, salty stuff, you know, that, uh, you know, that uh, salty cake that, that gets on the car when it gets, uh, you know, kind of really caked up with the salt crust, if you want to call it, or salt dust, salt residue, whatever. So the guy lives near a lake, right? So what he did is he backed his car into the lake and submerged it for about 10, 15 minutes, all right? So when he left the car sitting there for 10, 15 minutes, he pulled the car back out. Then he shoved it in his garage, left it there for a couple of weeks. When he came back to look at it, I mean, the most horrendous thing took place. The car, which was supposedly perfectly restored, really wasn't. It was all Hong Kong fooey together, okay? But it really looked good. It, not only was it a 20-footer, a 10-footer, and a 5-footer, it was a 1-footer. It really looked good to the untrained eye, okay? This is why you contact someone like me for my service, my appraisal of and valuation services, okay? Because this car was basically all bundled together, all hung together with all Chinese, Japanese parts, all kinds of crap, okay? But it looked good. And, of course, you know, they send out an inexperienced appraiser, adjuster, or whatever. He looks at the car, and he just puts a number on it because, you know, he looks at uh, uh, Old Cars Weekly or whatever and says, oh, yeah, one one is advertised for this. An advertised price and a sold price is completely different, okay? Sold. And, again, I cautioned everybody, you know, because there's all kinds of games that can be played at auctions, okay? Not just auctions, but all over, anywhere, any place. So it's always the buyer's responsibility, really, to do his homework and do his research. Long and short of it is, the car was bought for like around 35000 bucks. This was a dollars dollars settlement on the car. That's what the insurance company paid. So now, my guy buys a car. It's got thirty five in it, and the car's a basket case. I mean, it really is not even fit to be restored. But, you know, he's got no choice. So he follows through with it. He puts another thirty, forty thousand 40000 in it, then 50000 Now the car's all back together. Now the car's pretty, pretty shiny, shiny. 
Well, guess what? He doesn't want the car because he knows it's going to be a problem. So this thing gets slicked up. Boom. Send it to an auction. Whichever one. It could be Makeham's. It could be Auctions America. It could be World. It could be Cruise. It could be any one of those things. It could even be Barrett Jackson, for all we know. Okay. Now, this car goes across a block. Oh, beautifully restored car. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Well, here's where the caveat lies. You really need to do your homework. You know, when you buy a car at an auction, especially if you're spending the big bucks, look at the car. Find out who owned the car. Do your homework on the car. Find out the history of the car. Unfortunately, on older cars, there's no way to do any kind of Carfax because you don't know what happened back in 1970, 72, 73, 74, 75. You might know what happened to an 80. You might know what happened to an 89. But somewhere there's a gap, and that gap is the mystery. So when you buy a car, make sure you buy a car that's got a good history record, a history of of, of, of a chain of owners so that you can go back, especially if you're spending the big bucks. If you're just buying a run-of-the-mill car, you know, and you're slapping together and it's a clone GTO or clone Chevelle or clone Torino or Mustang or something like that, that's one thing. But you, when you're paying the big bucks and you're buying a legit car, a 442, a real GTO, a real LS6 car, a real Cobra car, you know, Torino or a real Shelby or something like that, you got to do your homework. It's very, very, very important. And again, visit my website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, and feel free to contact me. I will give you all the information. Now, we're going to take a little break here real quick. And then I'm going to bring on two really interesting guys from General Motors. One of the big three. All right. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bobby, what do you got queued up for us? Oh, a little ACDC. All right. Now, there is some rock and roll cruising music. Okay. I mean, this, you put this on, you want to jump in your Boss 429 or your ZL1 Camaro or your uh, Trans Am Firebird, your uh, HO car, and have some fun. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We'll be right back. Don't go away. some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cards. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. The first gentleman I'm going to introduce, his name is Monty Duran, and Monty is the communications manager for the 2016 Camaro. Monty, are you there? Yo. Monty, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cards. Now, I'm going to introduce your buddy. Your buddy is Jim Callahar. Let's see if I pronounce that name right. And he is the planning and program manager for the 2016 Camaro. Jim, are you there? I'm there. You did. You did a good job on the name. Super, super, <laughs> super. Okay. Well, hey, welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm glad that you guys could uh, take the time and show up here with us, or on the air, rather. So tell us a little bit. Who wants to talk first? Monty, um, you are the communications manager, so you're kind of like the PR guy for the 2016 Camaro, correct? That's correct, yes. So as a PR guy for the 2016 Camaro, what is like your duties and responsibilities? I mean, what's your big, what's your goal? Uh, really, it's uh, kind of a dream job because I don't actually have to do much of anything other than talk to a lot of people, so I'm sp- spectacularly good at it. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Uh, my job is to talk to people like Jim, find out what's new with the car, find out what the key stories are with the car, and then help introduce the car to consumers and to journalists alike. So one of the things we just did is we introduced the all-new 2016 Camaro Coupe uh, here at Belle Isle in Detroit on May 16th, and so I got to work with the team to pull that off. Excellent, excellent. Now, Jim, you're a planning program manager, so you're in charge of the Camaro, the 2016 Camaro program kind of like thing and with a team of other guys. Is that the way that works? Yes, it is. The, uh, the 16 Camaro and all the Camaros in the life cycle, what we do is, is we get a definition of the car, feel for the customers really early on in the process, and we keep track of what we're trying to develop for our customers throughout the whole process and make sure that the entire team is focused on meeting the goal of getting the car through the process and to the customers the way that uh, we hope they like it. Excellent. Now, I just want to back up just for a second. I'm going to throw this question out there, and either one of you guys can answer this. And and if you recall, back in the early 2000s, I think it was 2002, 2003, somewhere around there, they quit building the Camaro. As in the case with the Mustang, when they announced, oh, we're not going to build a Mustang anymore. But with the Camaro, when you guys announced it back then, are you aware of the fact that they 
were just basically it was an advertising ploy, or did they really seriously have intentions of not bringing the Camaro back? <laughs> Who wants to answer that? Or, or I, I guess uh, I, I'll take a crack at it, and then we'll see if Jim agrees with me. I mean, okay. I think uh, it was a, a very different time at that point, yeah. and uh, obviously the company was going through some uh, hard financial times and had to make some some tough decisions. So it was it was generally uh, or genuinely decided that uh, we had to make the painful decision to stop making Camaro. And to be honest, there, there really wasn't a lot of talk about bringing it back until, what, Jim, 2006, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when we decided correct. to bring out the uh, Camaro concept for the Detroit Auto Show. And, uh, you know, I, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I think there was a huge amount of pent-up demand, and there was a, you know, a, a huge enthusiast following that desperately wanted Camaro to come back. And when we showed that car in 2006, it was one of the most memorable uh, car reveals I've ever witnessed. I mean, it was, you know, people were so excited and they were so pumped to see the car that it, it really made it clear we had to bring it back. Well, now I will say this. In 2006, the Power Tour was here, in, started in, in Orlando, Florida. And Bobby, am I correct on that? It was 2006, the Power Tour? Because we actually drove over there because at the time I had a 74Z28. You know, me being a Ford guy, I had a Z28, four-speed car, okay? And it was a pretty ratty car. We actually nicknamed it the Rat Turd, okay? You know, a little rat, big mouse, you know? And uh, But anyway, we drove over there, and that Camaro, your your Detroit show car, was on display at the 2006 um, Power Tour there. And I was so impressed with that car, as well as everybody else. And what really is remarkable about the whole thing is you kept the car very, very close in terms of production to the concept car. So, uh, yeah, they did. They did a really good job with uh, with matching the production car up with the concept car. And at that particular time, nobody had really done it that well. Usually the concept cars were, were you know, a little far out there and never lined up with the production cars. But uh, on the Camaro, we did a pretty good job of keeping it really close to the concept. And, and we're getting better at that now. But uh, in 2006, that was kind of a new trend. Now tell us all about the 2016 car. Tell, give us a, it's a little bit smaller. I mean is it is it the same car or is it look the same and redesigned completely? It is not the same car. It is uh targeting the same audience, but it's not the same car. It's uh it's a leaner car and we took what was good about the 2010 car and made it better. Okay. Now, the car is a little smaller. It's got independent rear suspension. You've got a number of different engine options this year. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have three engine options. We have a 2-liter turbo, which uh, is putting out 275 horsepower. We have a 3.6-liter naturally aspirated V6, which has uh, 335 horsepower. And we have the 6.2-liter V8, uh, which is a 455-horsepower car. Now, the ZL1, I mean, are they going to bring that car back? Or you're laughing, you're chuckling now, because I'm a horsepower junkie. <laughs> I, I just think it's hysterical that uh, whenever we show a new car, the minute you show it, it's old news, and people want to know what's next. So, right, exactly. Uh, for, for, right, for right now, we're only talking about uh, the Camaro uh, LT and, and SS. Okay. All right. So the Z28 uh, could be down the road then, and the LT1 or L, uh, ZL1 could be down the road again. <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just have to wait and see. How's oh, that? Okay, okay, okay. Um, now, Matt, when you brought the car out to Belle Isle, was that that was the first place the car was showed? Correct at that particular event? 
Yes, correct. What was the reaction from the people? Well, I, I think it's kind of important to, to take a step back and, and talk a little bit about what we did, right? Okay. Uh, usually when we show uh, a new car, it's done at an auto show. It's done at Detroit or New York at the LA Auto Show. And we really felt like with this car, because there's such a huge passionate following for Camaro, that we really wanted to do something that involved uh, more consumers than than trade people, right? Uh, so what we did is we took over Belle Isle. It's this really amazing uh, park right in downtown Detroit, uh, literally in, in the shadows of General Motors World Headquarters. And uh, we invited um, <clears throat> about 1,000 fans to come see the car. And we, uh, the, the response from customers totally exceeded our expectations. When we launched the website inviting people to register, uh, it went live at 12.01. By 8 in the morning, all of our available spots were taken. And by the time we pulled the, the site down at 5, we had another 2,400 people on the list who wanted to come. Um, Ultimately, we had people from 38 of the 50 states uh, drive in. We had about 350 Camaros there. Uh, and so we put on a day-long celebration for you know Camaro that ended in unveiling the new car. That's amazing. I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, you know, Camaro, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and, and Chevrolet Camaro, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. I, I mean, it's... Uh, it was incredible to see everybody bring their cars in, and it was also uh, amazing to see their reaction to the car. Um, we uh, had three cars, uh, so to Jim's point, we had a 2-liter turbo, we had a V6, and we had a SS, and we drove all three out into the crowd, and it, it literally looked like a rock concert because the place was packed, and every single person was holding their camera or their cell phone or their iPad over their heads trying to get as many pictures of the cars as they possibly could. And uh, the feedback we got was uh, amazing. I think um, people are incredibly excited about this car. Excellent. Now let me ask you this. When you guys do an event like this, are colors of the cars that you pick and the options and the way the cars are um, uh, 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 you know, set up, is that important to you guys? Is that because you're trying to? It's a show car, and you're trying to sell the car. So, do you want to incorporate as many features on, and options on the car as possible, plus some of the more outstanding colors? Yeah, I, we we do want to show the car in its best light, and features are what the people uh, want to see in the car, and they want to see what's new. And these are also the cars that show up on, in the magazines and then in all the trade publications. So the the people want to see you know, what the features are and what's new in the car. So they're generally high-contented cars, and this was no exception. These were high-contented cars. But we did do all three engines, which was nice uh, for the enthusiast and for the press so that they could uh, see our whole range of offerings. Now, at this particular event in Belle Isle, did you have Camaros there that people could ride in, and then you had plenty of cars on display as well? Were there other Chevrolet products there as well, or was it primarily just Chevrolet? Uh, we had a little bit of everything. We, we had a ride and drive where people could drive uh, Traverse and Malibu and um, uh, things like that, right? Because uh, part of what makes Camaro special is we're bringing a lot of new people to Chevrolet. We want them to, frankly, experience all of our product lineup. Um, one of the other things we did is we had a, a Camaro Z28 hot lap around the Belle Isle Grand Prix course where they just ran the IndyCar race this past weekend. And uh, we had some professional driving instructors from Spring Mountain out there uh, giving people hot laps in Z28s, which uh, I tell you is a, is a life-changing experience. Okay, okay, okay. Jim, 
Jim, now back in the old days, if you were coming out, let's just say, with a 2016 car, okay, in the old days, they would start designing and penciling and building prototypes of that car, usually sometimes two to three years in advance. When you guys design a car today for a 2016 car, how far in advance do you actually start planning and designing and and doing the cars today? In other words, from, from, from concept to rolling off the assembly line? Well, the development time is shorter now than it used to be. I think uh, there's some planning time that goes ahead of the development time. In other words, we, we think about what we want to do with the car, who we want to offer it to, what features we want it to have before we start uh, grinding up a bunch of resources developing the car. So that I think it gets a, makes us a little bit more leaner on how long it takes us to get the car onto the road once we physically start doing the design and engineering work. Okay. Now, for example, take us through the process. What would be, in other words, you have a 2015 car, okay, the older Camaro. When you, and you, and you go through that car, to, to come up with the 2016, how does the process start? You know, in other words, when you determine, okay, it's time for a completely new new redesign or redesign of the car, when does that take place? Well, it actually started happening before the 15 car even hit the road. The 15 hasn't actually been on the road all that long uh, as of right now. So we were, you know, probably in the 13 car when we, when we really started digging into this. And we started off by... Uh, talking with our customers. We've been talking to them all through the, the life cycle of the 2010 car and even prior to that. So we had a really good idea of what they wanted in a car, and we were learning uh, what they liked about the fifth-gen car and the small things that they thought would be, make the car even better. And we picked up on that and roll that into our process to make sure that we were taking advantage of our learnings from the customers. And technology has evolved also in that time. So we incorporated uh, what we learned from, you know, the current technology trends into the car also. So, and what exactly, where do you fit into this whole, this whole equation? Well, I'm more of a uh, big picture guy on the program. You know, we have a whole team of engineers and manufacturing folks, finance and and uh, purchasing folks, and I'm more of the one that facilitates the big picture and making sure that everybody is uh, pointed in the right direction and that everybody is uh, getting the job done. So, and uh, probably one of the bigger roles I play is I keep a pretty good eye on uh, where we're at financially on the car. Okay. Now, let's just say you're going through the development stages and you're actually building the car. You build... The prototypes don't go through the assembly line. They actually have to be kind of like pre-built, and there's pieces like pre-formed. How does that all? T- how does that work? You know, Generally, you-, you try you try to find a car that it's most like. And in, in this case, we had the current car, so we would take a current car and kind of tear it down and rebuild it. Uh, into what we thought was uh, going to be some of the proportions and dimensions and uh, structure-type elements that the new car would represent, just to give us kind of a rough mule-type uh, look at what the car might become. 
Now, I was up in Detroit many, many years ago. I'm going to say within the last five, six, seven years. And there was a company out there called Experimental Metal or something like that. And I, I'm not sure if, if I understood them correctly, but they gave us a tour. And they were basically a stamping facility. And then there was another other, let's just call a specialty car facility. Do you outsource to those guys where they actually build the car, do the body work, get the, you know, you give them, in essence, the chassis, and then they kind of build the car around it? Is that how that works? Because you're, when you're building your prototype, your first car, that's basically a hand-built car, correct? That is correct. We didn't do that on the Camaro. Some okay. car lines. Uh, and other companies uh, utilize them just out of convenience and out of uh, speed in the process. But uh, on cars like the Camaro, we keep that car pretty tight and in-house. Okay. All right. So you have a special department, special division, and that's basically they've got access to all the tools, and they can pretty much hand-build just about anything you guys come up with. They can build anything you can imagine. Okay. Now, you as a program manager, or you know, and from that perspective, and you're 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 kind of responsible for the accounting. Who do you have to report to? I mean, who would be like your who's the next guy in charge, and and how much influence do you have saying to that particular person? Look, I think the way we're going is the right direction. Or do they put a lot of pressure on you? Say no, we need to you know cut you know the bean counters get a hold of you, so to speak. Well, I report to the chief engineer. Okay. So my one of my roles is to uh, help Al keep an eye on the team. You know he's you know very engineering focused, but he has responsibility for the whole program. I help him keep track of the whole program so that he can really keep a tight eye on the engineering part of the program. Okay. Now, in terms of engineering versus uh, design versus, you know, each aspect of the car, you know, because you got the exterior of the car, you got the interior of the car, you got the chassis of the car. Driveline, obviously, is a no-brainer because that's somewhere in the in the mix of the, the, the assembly line anyway. But when you're doing that, how many people, how many people and departments does it take to kind of build this car? There's a lot of fingerprints on a, on a car program like this. You know, you start off in the design phase, which is really, you know, some of the creative folks over at the studio that uh, begin with sketching and uh, figuring out, you know, what they want the car to look like. Uh, then the engineering people start working with the design people to make sure that uh, what the design folks are dreaming up can be made into something feasible and something that's buildable and uh it, it keeps gathering people so the engineers once they start determining you know how they can take what the designers are dreaming up and making it uh buildable the manufacturing folks come in and, and make sure that what the engineers are uh, starting to make decisions on can be made, you know, car after car after car at, you know, 30 or 40 jobs an hour. So, you know, the team just keeps gathering people, and, and uh, as it gets through the development process uh, until it's, you know, becomes a production unit. Okay. The Now, let's talk about some of the significant differences between a 2015 and a 2016 car. First of all, the car's completely redesigned. It looks very similar. So really, if it was going down the road at 70 miles an hour, you might not notice it right away. But if you're sitting in the parking lot and you got the two cars side by side, give us a night, give us a walk around. You know, kind of tell us a little bit about the car. Which one of you guys want to do that, Monty or Jim? 
I, I guess I'm, I'm going to start, and then I'll hand it over to Jim. I, okay. I would say what's what's amazing to me about the design of this car is uh, if you see it by itself, you don't actually realize how different it is because it's so instantly recognizable as a Camaro, right? It's got that really long hood and the short deck and the really powerful haunches, and you could strip all the badges off of that car, and you'd instantly know it was a new Camaro. Um but when you put it next to a 2015 or when you see it on the road, it'll really take your breath away because it is significantly different. Every piece of the car <coughs> excuse me, is um, kind of shrink-wrapped around the body. So it looks uh, a little smaller and a little leaner and a little more agile. And uh, I think that the pictures really don't do this car justice. Once people start seeing them out in the roads, you're really going to get a sense of how new and different this car really is. Okay. Now the the in this car in the, in the in the the build of this car is there a lot more aluminum is there a lot more composite materials how much does this car weigh compared to the 2015? Well, there is a lot more use of aluminum and composite materials on this car. Uh, the weight um, has been reduced because of the use of those materials, and you know. What we've been uh, talking about is that the car is uh, 200 pounds and more, depending on model, uh, lighter than the previous generation car, which is uh, really significant in, in the car business, reducing mass like that. Okay. Now, let's talk about performance and handling a little bit. In other words, you got got independent rear suspension now, and did they change anything on the front? I mean, how does this car, you know, and why did you go to independent rear suspension? We actually had independent rear suspension on the fifth gen car. Oh, you did? Now our, our, yeah, our friends down the road in Dearborn, they're <laughs> the ones that had the uh, solid rear axle previously, and they just went to an independent rear suspension on their car. But uh, our fifth gen car had independent rear suspension. It did. Uh, Yes, it did. I did not know that. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I know. Our, your, your, <laughs> my friend's down there at Dearborn. Okay. Um, all right. So now, but the overall handling characteristics of the new car is uh, significantly better than the uh, 2015? Yeah. What, what's, what's happened over time is the, the structure of the car has, has really been refined and okay. is, much, is much stronger. What that uh, enables is the ride dynamics of the car can be very, very precisely tuned because the structure is so stiff on the car. So, you know, you can make the car act the way you want it to with uh, with the suspension, and it doesn't have to compensate for all the flex in the, in the structure. What that does for you is it makes the car be very precisely uh, designed to handle the way you want it to. And th this car, you can feel it right away. The as you go from car to car, which is what Monty set up uh, with uh, the folks at Belle Isle, we had them drive the 2015 car and the 2016 car back to back, and, and they could feel the difference right away in the car and how precise it felt and how, uh, how much the mass made a difference in the car right away. Okay. Tire and wheel combinations are they going to pretty much stay the same? I think you're using eighteens uh, and twenties on there, right? On the on the Camaros. Yeah, pretty much the same. Okay. Uh, a pretty extensive use of twenty inch uh, wheels and tires, but uh, we do have uh, an eighteen inch uh, application also. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about the overseas market. Where outside of the United States is Camaro really strong? Europe, China, you know. 
South America, where's where's the strongest market? Obviously, U.S., U.S., Canada, and Mexico are very strong markets. Uh, one of the markets that surprises us a little bit is Brazil. Really, it has a yeah, it has quite a following in Brazil, and and in Europe also. Uh, you know, they they'll take all the cars we can give them. Okay. Now you mentioned the folks down at Dearborn, and I understand that they were building. They've got a plant down in South America, someplace, and I think they've got one in China. Now the rumors have that you guys have a plant in China as well. So where else outside of the United States are Camaros going to be built? They are not building being built any place except for in Lansing, Michigan. Oh, okay, Lansing. Yes. Well, that's up there where the Oldsmobiles used to be built. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay, here I thought you'd be like Flint or someplace like that. You know. Interesting. Okay. Um, now, production run for the Camaros. What's the production run expectation? Are you talking uh, life cycle or yearly? Or yeah. Or annual, well, let's go yearly first. Annual on an annual basis. How many Camaros are you guys going to build? Uh, you know, collectively. <laughs> He's laughing. Yeah, that, that one's yours. I, that one's yours. I, I would not. I would not be NPR if I didn't casually mention that. Uh, Last year, we sold about 83,000 cars in the U.S., uh, which which made Camaro the uh, most popular performance car in America for the fifth consecutive year. Oh, really? So, uh, obviously, we, we want to we want to continue that streak with the new car. Okay, all right. And then, and when you turn talk in terms of life cycle, okay, so. Um, like some cars will build a design, and it didn't used to be because in the old days, my day, uh, you know, every year they changed something on the car, and they might have done, you know, like the, the 67, 68, the 69, the 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 78. So on. now when you guys do your cars today, are they running like five, six, seven-year cycles, and then you change them? How does that work? Well, we, we, we don't have a defined life cycle. Okay. Uh, we we build them as, as long as... Uh, the customer demands are being met on the cars. Okay. We're obviously ready to make changes when necessary. Okay. Uh, I believe the uh, the fifth-gen car has a six-year life cycle, and that's becoming somewhat normal. But uh, if, the, uh, if the market changes, we're ready to roll with it. Okay. Now, the retro design, okay, my generation, you know, out of the 70s, 60s, 70s, kind of the Camaros we kind of grew up with. Do you kind of, uh, is the retro thing a big factor in determining the design of the Camaro? Because right now it's got a real first-generation Camaro look. So, and, and Mustang did that from 2005 to 2009, then 2010 to whatever it was so-so. But the 2015 and newer Mustangs got a little bit more of a 69 retro look to it. So is the Camaro down the road, and I don't know if you can speak to this yet or not, well, do you think it'll ever have a little bit of a second-gen look to it? <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I guess what I would say is... Um, Possibly. A- absolutely. The fifth gen very much kind of paid a, a, a homage to the first gen. Uh-huh. Uh, and to me, the, the sixth gen really is not retro at all. And, and again, I, I, it's it's a little bit of black magic. I, I don't know how the design team did it. That when you look at the, at the new Camaro, it doesn't really have any specific features that are a throwback to a first gen or a second gen. And yet, you, you instantly know it's a Camaro. You see that yeah. car, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's it." Um, so I, I don't think there really is a strong retro play in in this generation of car. Yeah, at at the Belle Isle event, we had a, a lot of enthusiasts there that had their Camaros with them all generations, and it was interesting talking to them because every one of them saw 
pieces of their generation of the Camaro <laughs> in the new one. So, you know, it's 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 hard to tell. Like Monte said, the, the, our, our design people are uh, super creative, and they draw on on a lot of uh, elements when they design a car. And the, the customers pick up on the very minute things that the designers put forth. It's, it's a very interesting process. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about racing. You know, Chevrolet's always had a fairly strong presence in racing. And you guys did very well on Trans Am. You did very well on NHRA and uh, road courses and stuff like that. So how do you guys feel about this car as a race car? I mean, has there been some serious talk about that? You know, because Trans Am is kind of floundering a little bit. You know, we'd love to see it back. Well, we're racing the fifth-gen car right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's we're not doing anything to take ourselves out of the racing business. Okay. So this, this car... This car will will perform as good and better in many respects than the fifth gen car, and we think that the performance enthusiast uh, crowd out there will figure out a way to get the car on the track. Okay, well, you know, because they had they came out with a couple body and whites here in the last couple of years, so I just want to make sure you guys keep things going. You know, some body and white race cars. You know, we need those on the strips, and we need them on on our road courses too as well. Um, Jim, tell me a little bit. We got a few minutes left. Jim, tell us a little bit about your background and how long you've been with General Motors or with Chevrolet. I've been with General Motors for 31 years. Oh wow! Uh, I've I've been with uh, the Camaro uh, since the beginning of the fifth gen program, and prior to that, you know, I crossed across many car lines. Uh, prior to the Camaro, I did work on uh, the Solstice and Sky programs and the uh, XLR Cadillac prior to that. Oh, really? Okay. So then uh, I'm trying to think. So do you work in, in – so have you always been in design, in the design area of it, and the uh, uh, planning and, and program managing aspect of it, or, or what area were you specific? I, I started off in engineering, and okay. then I, I drifted into the program management aspect of it because I like the, the, the broader picture – and uh, that's kind of where I have uh, stayed. That's 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 what I like is the, the big picture. Okay, super, super. Monty, tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from, as far as and how long you've been with General Motors. Uh, I've been with uh, GM for five years, uh, and I have to tell you, it's been an incredible, amazing run. Um, I showed up here right in time for the launch of the Camaro ZL1, which at 580 horsepower is the most powerful Camaro we've ever produced. Um, since then, I've gotten, to, gotten that's what I just said, I've had a chance to work with uh, the team launching the Camaro 1LE and the ZL1, and now the 2016 Camaro. And then also in my side job, I do some some uh, work on Corvette, so I got to work on the Stingray and now the Z06. So it's been an incredible time to be in Chevrolet and particularly be on the performance side of the business because the cars just keep getting better and better and better. Uh, It's it's really breathtaking when you think of the fact we have a a 2-liter turbo in the Camaro that makes 275 horsepower, and that was more than every V8 we made from 70, I think it was 72 through, like, 1990. (laughs) In a 2-liter turbo, right? So it's an amazing time to be a performance enthusiast because the cars are just so good and so capable today. Now, talk about that four-cylinder motor. Is that a Chevrolet motor, or is that, let's say, like an Isuzu or something else? I mean, is this an in-house motor? 
Can you answer that? Yes, this is an in-house motor. Okay, so it's bonafide, made in the USA, GM. It's not a outsourced motor or anything like that. Correct. That's correct. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's really good. You know, two hundred some month horsepower. You're right. You know, um, that's great. Now let me ask you this: Are either you guys? We got a few minutes left. Are you guys into vintage cars at all? I happen to have a 1966 Bonneville convertible. Oh, okay. And a 84 Fiero. <laughs> so you're a poncho lover, a Pontiac guy. I, uh, I'm an ex-Pontiac guy, yes. An ex-Pontiac guy. How about you, Monty? Monty, I, you I, should have a Monte I, Carlo. I just have to live vicariously through Jim and, oh. and all of his cool cars. I, I have I have two kids, two dogs, two guinea pigs. <laughs> okay. Now, Woodward's coming up in two months. You guys uh, big Woodward fans? Oh, yes. Okay. Have, have you ever been to Woodward? I was there the week before, and I got a buddy. I got a couple. I have a lot of really good friends, and my cousin, my wife's side of the family, they live up in uh, in Detroit, so I do get up there. And they're all GM people. I'm one of the few Ford guys that <laughs> that gets up there every once in a while. And uh, but I got to tell you, I really though. And I'm originally from California, but I got to tell you, from a car perspective, I I I really dig what's going on in Detroit. And every time I get up there, I just kind of like, wow, I wish I could have grown up here back in the '70s and '80s because the car sure. culture. In Detroit is just absolutely incredible. I mean, that's the hub. You know, that's the nucleus of of cars. The big three: GM, Ford, Chrysler. You know, so I'm a huge fan. And yet, this year, I might be able to make it to Woodward. I'm not sure. Well, I tell you, you mentioned Woodward, and uh, Woodward is is not one weekend in the middle of August. Woodward's all summer. <laughs> it's all summer. Okay, that's yeah, what I hear. That's what I hear. So it's uh, it's it's just like it used to be in the in the 70s. The enthusiasts are out there on. On uh, any nice evening in Michigan uh, in the summertime, Woodward is uh, is lit up and the people are enjoying the the car life. Okay, super. Uh, every do you guys follow racing at all? I do. I'm I'm a NASCAR fan. Just okay. watched the Belle Isle race, the Indy race this past weekend in Detroit. Okay. How about road racing? Either you guys road race fans or NHRA fans or anything like that? I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm starting to get uh, more into the ALMS series. Uh, oh, okay. It, it is it is a, a really totally different experience going to you know a 12 hour endurance race, right? Because you don't have assigned seats, so you you know you show up there at uh, Road Atlanta and you uh, walk all over the track, and you have different vantage points, and you talk to different people, and you know the racing with four different classes of cars on the track at the same time is just breathtaking. It's so cool to watch. Absolutely. Now, uh, do you get out to MIS? Because MIS, I think they have some road courses out there every once in a while, don't they? I don't know, Jim. Do they do road racing out there? I mean, I know that they certainly do the the big NASCAR race on the Super yeah, Speedway, but it's a two and, it's a two and a half mile track. Uh, I think that they have set up a road course. I mean, it's a it's a huge a huge facility, and they can do road road course racing right within the infield. But it's known as a two-and-a-half-mile uh, oval. Uh-huh. Now, uh, Monty, real quick, wh- how far? How often do you have to travel to go on uh, the PR tours for the new uh, two se- 2016 Camaro? And, Jim, <laughs> do you go with him? <laughs> Jim's, Jim's a little bitter because he thought I was taking him to Florida tonight for this interview. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I, think I, told, I told Monty that it was a bait-and-switch that he pulled on me tonight. <laughs> I was thinking we were going to St. Pete, Florida, for uh, to talk with you guys. Oh, uh, I, I lost, I lost track of technology. I forgot we could just do it with a phone call. Oh yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, well, you had a pipeline. You know, you got Chevrolets. You just yeah. shoot them right down here. 
Yeah, Amati does a little more traveling than I do. I uh, traveling is is not my job. I I have to stay in the office and get some work done. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. If you guys come to Florida, be sure and look us up. We're on the west coast of Florida. We're near Tampa. And uh, Monty, do you, you get the Miami down there every once in a while, or do you? Uh... Oh, sure. Yep. Okay. Well, give me a shout. Hey, okay. we are just about up against the clock. I want to thank my really my new best buddies at General Motors now, Monty Duran and Jim Callahar. Okay, both guys. Experts on a new 2016 Camaro. Hey, I wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks a lot for coming on the show tonight. Be sure and go to your local Chevrolet dealership when the new 2016 makes its debut. Monty, when's that car going to hit the showroom floor? It'll be out the end of this year. End of this year. Does that mean September, right? Uh, it means the end of this year. End of the year. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Be sure and tune in to Nostalgic Radio Cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports and now music. Don't forget to tell your friends to tune in as well. Be sure and check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, go to our website and check out our podcast, Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radio Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports. Hope to see you guys at some these concerts and car shows. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.